Pastor Chris's podcast. It is a, a privilege to be your pastor. I don't know why God called me into ordained ministry, but I am honored and thankful that he did. And I'm grateful to each of you for allowing me to share God's word as I hear it each week. Um, it's been a blessing. Been in ministry for 20 years and been here for 10 and a half. And uh, thank you so much for letting me be part of your life, for inviting me into some of those special moments that you have in your life. And, um, you know, praying for you and hoping for the best for you and all of those things. It's, it's, it's an honor. And it, it's been one of the greatest blessings of my life to be a pastor. God chose me to be a pastor. And it feels good to, to know your calling and to be chosen uh, for a special purpose. But today, as I share, I want you all to know that God has chosen you for a special purpose as well. And I want to share with you about that today. And I want to share with you just how special you are. But in order to do that, I've got to kind of go back into some history. And I know that history is not everybody's favorite subject. So please don't tune me out, but try to bear with me as we go through some history, because it's important to see the history in order to really have a, a context and a background for just how special you are. So let's review the history of Israel together with a responsive reading. Words are on the screen. And let's read this together. The Lord our God is mighty to save. He rescued Israel from Egypt through ten plagues that proved Egypt's idols were nothing. At Mount Sinai, the Lord gave ten commandments and the law to teach Israel. The Lord led Israel to conquer Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey. During the epoch of the judges, Israel did not have a king like the other nations. God was Israel's king. When Israel was unfaithful, their enemies oppressed them. Then Israel would cry out to God for help. The people wanted a king like all the nations around them, but God was supposed to be Israel's king. So they anointed Saul to be the first king of Israel because he stood head and shoulders above the rest. And so the third epoch of Israel began. The Epic of the Kings. And I want to read to you from 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, and then verses 6 through 13. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. The Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. 
The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea. Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until, to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. The Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil, of olive oil, he had brought and he anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David that day. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, there are three major roles in the ancient kingdom of Israel. Three leadership, three roles in the leadership structure. The first is the prophet. The prophet's job was to speak to the people for God. Now, if you ask most people, what is the purpose of a prophet? They will probably tell you, well, a prophet tells the future, right? But that was not really the job of the prophet. The job of the prophet, the task of the prophet was to tell people what God said. Now, sometimes God told what the future, what was going to happen in the future. And so he would tell the prophet what was going to happen in the future, and the prophet would tell people what God said about what was going to happen in the future. So sometimes that was what they did, but really that wasn't the purpose. The purpose was to tell them what God said. And most of what God said through the prophets was not necessarily about the future, but it was about you should do this, you shouldn't do that, um, give them instructions, tell them their purpose, or warn them that they had sinned. Um, whatever God wanted to tell the people, he would usually tell them through the prophet. The second role was the priest. The priest's purpose was sort of the opposite of the prophets. The priest told God, uh, or spoke to God for the people. Whereas the prophet spoke to the people for God, the priest speaks to God for the people. And usually that would come in the form of, uh, you know, perhaps a person has sinned and they come to the priest and they say, I am sorry for this sin. Please tell God that I'm sorry and intercede on my behalf so that God will forgive me. And so the priest would sacrifice, make a sacrifice and they would pray to that person to God to that, for that person, and, and God would bring healing and restoration and peace. So that was the job of the priest. A third role in the kingdom of Israel was the king. The king's purpose was to unite all of the people of Israel for a common goal. Now, in the beginning, um, Israel was just 12 tribes of people spread out through the entire land, 
12 different tribes. And uh, if you know anything around holiday times, you know about families and how they sometimes don't function well. Um, There's lots of arguments that happen inside a family. Well, within a tribe, there's even more arguments that happen. And and different tribes didn't always agree with different tribes. Every tribe had their own slightly different customs, slightly different ways of doing things. So it's kind of difficult to get all of those different tribes to work together. But God, in the beginning, God was to be the king of Israel. They didn't have a king because God was their king. He was the one that gave them their purpose. He was the one that gave them a common goal to work for. But because people are people and tribes are tribes and clans are clans and families are families, they didn't always get along and they didn't always unite together for a common purpose. If they had just done what God told them to do through the prophets, then they would have been okay. But they didn't do very well at that. The common goal that was supposed to bring all of Israel together and unite them as one was that they were to bring light into the darkness of our dark world and healing into the brokenness of our broken world. This was Israel's purpose from God. God told Abraham, I'm going to give you so many descendants, you won't even be able to count them. They'll be like the stars in the sky. And all the families of earth will be blessed through you. He told him that in Genesis 12, verse 3. And Israel were those descendants that came from Abraham. And Israel was supposed to bless the whole world. The greatest blessing was that they would reveal the one true God to a world who had turned their back on the one true God and had begun to worship idols and to worship themselves and to worship people and animals and stars and celestial bodies. God wanted to bring all of the world back into the light. And so he sent Israel to do that. Exodus chapter 19 verse 6 says, Of the nation of Israel, You will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. And as a holy nation of priests in a dark and broken world, Israel was to bring spiritual healing, reconciliation, and peace to the world. But they never really lived up to that goal because people are people. And they wanted what they wanted. And one of the things that they wanted was they wanted a king like all of the other nations around them. See, God sent Israel to show all of the other nations around them how they were supposed to live and how they were supposed to relate to God. So all of those other nations were supposed to try to be like Israel. But instead, what happened was Israel wanted to be like everyone else. And so they began to ask for a king. They wanted a man to lead them to be great like the other nations. And to be fair, you can't really bring light and healing into the world if you're constantly being dominated by everyone else and all of your enemies. Can you? Well, can you? Consider Jesus dying on the cross while all of his enemies stood around him, taunting him. It's a crazy way for God to choose to save the world. But that's why we are today, 2,000 years, still talking about Jesus And we can't barely remember the names of all of the 
kings that were supposed to be so important. But God allowed Israel to have a king. But the king in Israel was supposed to be a figurehead who represented God. Israel's king was supposed to be God. And so the man in Israel who was to sit on the throne was only there to be God's representative to the people. A, a, a flesh and blood king who could help to unite the people for a common goal. And that is one of the reasons why God rejected Saul and favored David. Because Saul was always concerned about himself and what people thought about him. But the scripture tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. You've heard that expression? Scripture tells us David was a man after God's own heart. So as he sat on the throne, it was almost as if God was sitting on the throne. Because David had the same heart as God. Have you ever been rejected? Maybe for something that you really wanted? You know, there's that, probably many of us have experienced this when you're a little kid and you're in school and PE comes up and you're going to play kickball and what, usually they'll have like two captains. They're going to pick teams and the captains will go one by one and they usually start with the biggest, strongest fastest, most athletic kids, that's the ones that they pick to be on their team. And they'll go back and forth, one by one by one, until they get to the very end, uh, the, the kids that, that nobody really wanted to be on their team, <laughs> but they got to be on somebody's team, and so they'll finally get picked last. Um, not a great feeling. That used to happen to me sometimes, but it wasn't because I wasn't athletic. It was because I moved around so much as a kid. I was always the new kid. Nobody knew me when I came into town. And so I always enjoyed uh, being the last kid picked and then getting to get out there and show them what I was made of. That was kind of fun to me. And then the next time around, I'd kind of move up the, the list a little bit. But there was a time that I uh, was rejected that was, was, it was hard because... I really needed something. When I graduated from Southern Tech with a degree in textile engineering, um, about the time I graduated, I found out that Kelly was pregnant with our first child. So here we are. I think I was 23 years old and she was 21. We had no money. It was okay to have no money when we were two young adults going through college, but all of a sudden now we had a baby coming and I needed good, steady income. I needed insurance to, to have this child. And so I was glad to be graduating and begin interviewing for all of these different jobs. Um, but unfortunately, I couldn't get a job. Nobody was hiring me. I thought I was doing well in the interviews. I had a good record in college, but nothing was, was landing. Finally, a company up in North Carolina, I can't remember the name of the company, but it was a textile mill in North Carolina. They invited me to an interview, and I thought there was really good prospects that I was going to get this job because they invited not just me, but they also invited my wife to come up for two days, and they paid for us to have a hotel room um, in which to stay overnight. And so we came up, 
stayed in the hotel. The next morning, I got up and I drove into the plant and I met the manager who was going to do the interview. And we were standing around talking and everything was going great until um, another candidate showed up. He comes walking in and he is head and shoulders taller than me. He's athletic looking. And immediately, the manager stopped talking with me and switched to this other candidate. And it found out that he was a, a former football player. He had played football for Clemson. And uh, the manager was a huge Clemson fan. And so I was like, this is great. And um, from that point on, I was chopped liver. Um, the manager didn't even pay any attention to me. I was along for the ride. They took us on a tour of the plant. They talked to us. They even took us and drove us through the community and showed us all the houses and stuff and said you could, you know, talked about you could move here and blah, blah, blah. But I just kind of knew uh, it was, it, he just forgot about me as soon as the other guy showed up. It was over. And sure enough, a week later, I got notified, didn't get the job. And so um, I was like, man, I needed that job. Well, God eventually helped me to get a job. And I'm really glad now that I didn't get that job because my life could have gone a lot differently if I'd have moved to North Carolina and had gone that route. But I think God had a different plan for me, one that brought me into the ministry, one that brought me here to be with you today. But at the time, it was difficult. It's always difficult when you are passed over or rejected or you don't get the promotion, you don't get the job or the raise or whatever, especially if the reasons behind it seem kind of shallow and uh, you know, trivial. But you people are people. But God reminds us in 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord doesn't see things the way people see them. People judge by outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. God chose Israel. He looked into their heart and he chose Israel to represent him to the world. And God chose David, not because he was big and tall and strong, but he chose him to be Israel's king because of what was in his heart. And I want to tell you that there's something that's critical to your life today, right now, and that's that God looks into your heart and he chooses you today. I want to tell you a few things, a few ways that he chooses you today. First of all, God chose to save you. God chose to save you. Um, I'm, 20, I'm 46 now. I've been out of my mom's house for 20 years. and She's been an empty nester for quite a while. But I think she went through something that many couples go through. Um, you remember... When you're little and you're in preschool and you're making all of these different ornaments to hang on your parents' tree, well, there comes a time, I think, in most households where all the kids leave the house. And maybe mom and dad are now alone and they're getting the Christmas tree out and they're getting ready to put all the ornaments on it. And they're like, you know what? This is ridiculous. The tree is cluttered up with all of these old ornaments from years and years ago 
it's time to go through these ornaments and sort of discard some of them. I mean, we got these ornaments that when we got them at the time, when the, when the kid was four years old and they were going to preschool and they brought home their little, you know, uh, macaroni art and we hung it on the tree, it was cute and it was sentimental, but it was only macaroni and it's 25 years old now. And it's disintegrating and it's falling apart and three-fourths of the noodles have fallen off and we're still hanging it on the tree. Why are we doing this? And a lot of times people will decide it's time to go through these things and decide what we're going to keep and what we're going to throw away. Because these old ornaments, they're usually, they're not that awesome. They were awesome because of who made them. And they're not necessarily made of the most high quality material either. And after 20, 25 years, it's torn, it's broken, it's worn out, and it's time to throw it in the trash. But it's still difficult for mom and dad to do that sometimes because of the value that it has, which goes beyond what the materials have, are, what it's made of. Well, I want you to think about that, and I want you to know that you are precious to God. And it may be that you are a little broken and you're a little worn out. Might be a few noodles that have fallen off over the years. But when God pulls you out and he sees that you have some serious flaws and imperfections, maybe he sees that you weren't really made of the most high quality material to start with. But he still loves you. And when God decides... Am I going to keep this one and put it on the tree, or am I going to throw it in the trash? He always looks at you, and he always says, I'm going to save this one. You see, the Lord doesn't see things the way you and I see them. He looks at the heart. And so God chooses to save each of us. And he continues, if we were an ornament, he would continue to put us on the tree. And he says, and he says, I'm going to keep this one forever. I'm never going to throw this one away. He chooses to keep you for eternal life. But here's another thing, too. Because the truth is, we're all broken. We all got a few noodles missing. We're torn. We're worn. But when he chooses to keep us, he does something very special. He chooses to make us whole. And so if there's a few noodles missing, he puts them back on. If there's a few things that are broken or torn or worn out, he repairs that and makes it whole again. If he looks at us and he says, you know, this one wasn't really made of that high-quality material to start with. He transforms us into pure gold. So everything that he puts upon his Christmas tree is perfect and sacred and special and beautiful and will be there for all eternity as long as it chooses to be. And... So God chooses to save us, he chooses us for eternity, and he chooses to make us whole, and he chose you to represent him to the world. 
Just like when we take those old worn out ornaments and we place them on our tree, we put them there because they represent our son or our daughter or that person who's special to us. Well, God chose you to represent him. He puts you on display for the whole world to say, look at this beautiful creation I have made and I have restored. She represents me. He represents me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. You hear some of the words that He used to describe you? Holy. Holy means set apart for a very special purpose. God's purpose. He called you royalty. Royalty. You are kings and queens in His eternal kingdom. And He called you priests. You remember what the role of the priest is? The priest is there to help bring spiritual healing and reconciliation and peace to the whole world. That's your purpose as God's holy priest. You see, you are so special to God. He was already thinking about you, you, who are sitting here today. He was thinking of you when he led Israel out of slavery in Egypt nearly 3,000 years ago. He was thinking of you when he chose David to be the king who would represent him in Israel. Because Jesus, the Savior of the world, would be from the, loyal, from the royal lineage of David. This is why I wanted to go through the, that boring history. Because I want you to see just how much forethought and preparation and work has gone into God's choice of you. He knew then you'd be sitting here today. Or he knew that you would be sitting in front of a computer or a smartphone watching this online. God has been working for your salvation to give you true life and a purpose for thousands and thousands of years. That's how special you are to him. And now the choice is yours. God has chosen you. Will you choose God?